We are saved by Christ. Make no mistake, we're not saved by walking forward in a meeting. We're not saved by our faith. We're saved by Christ. He's the Savior. Come to me, he said, you know. And the message of the church today and the good news that we proclaim all around the world and that our missionaries proclaim on every continent and that we seek to tell people at work in our neighborhood is not about a church or a philosophy. It's about a person, Jesus Christ, God's Son who came to earth for us. We are saved by Christ. Make no mistake about that. We lay hold of Christ by faith. Make no mistake about that. You won't be saved just because God chose you. No. Only those who believe in Jesus Christ will be saved. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Good News for All Who Call. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Tenth chapter of Romans. We're right in the middle of the middle of Romans, really. These three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, that uh, tell us of Israel's failure to believe in Christ. The people of God, Israel, missed the Messiah. And they tell us not only of Israel's failure, but of God's faithfulness. And that God in His righteousness, His faithful promises will be accomplished. And so it's a tremendously significant section of Scripture. Really, from these three chapters, you learn so much about all of Scripture that it's very important, and I can see why Paul put this in here and why God had him put it into this great book of Romans. But uh, we want to look today at chapter 10. You know, if chapter 9, if chapter 9's emphasis was that salvation is of God's sovereign mercy, it doesn't depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. And that is the great emphasis of chapter 9. Nothing in us would have drawn forth God's love, would have drawn forth any kind of merit that we deserved His grace. That's a misnomer. No, it doesn't depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who initiates and chose us from all eternity for Himself, for His glory. If that's the emphasis of chapter 9, chapter 10... Great, the great emphasis of 10 is that God's heart of invitation. He's open. He's saying, come to me. Believe and be saved. In fact, look at the last verse of chapter 10. As for Israel, he says, all the day long I've stretched out my hands. All the day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And if you say, well, that's interesting for Israel. Listen, everything God does with Israel, there's application for our lives. And today, God's heart is pictured by Him standing and saying, come, come to me. If you're thirsty, come. I'll fulfill that. I'll quench it. If you're tired, I'll give you rest. If you're tired of your sin and the guilt and the estrangement, come to me. That's chapter 10, and we want to take a look at it. And you know, it hits me that even as we uh, look at this chapter, uh, this was Paul's heart. He said in the first verse, 
Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. And if you're a Christian, if you know Christ is your Savior, ask God to give you His heart for the lost. And if you're here and you don't know if you're a Christian, you don't know if you've really laid hold of Jesus Christ, you don't know for sure if you were to die today that you'd go right into the very presence of God. In fact, you're very unsure. Well, let me encourage you that God is saying to you, come to me. Now, as I said, chapters 9, 10, and 11 cover this great ground, and we want to look at it today. Israel's failure was a failure of faith. They did not believe. They did not take God at His word. They assumed they could come to God their own way. God made it clear that uh, He'd provided a Savior. But they thought they could come to God on their merit. And Gentiles, the end of chapter 9 we saw, who weren't seeking God found Him because they came by His grace. Now, Jews did too. That's the only way a Jew or a Gentile saved. Doesn't matter what your background is today. We're going to see that. But by and large, Israel thought that they could approach God on the basis of merit. And last time we looked in verses 4 through uh, 10 at the great contrast between seeking to come to God in your own merit and coming with nothing to offer Him and finding grace. That's the definition of grace, by the way, unmerited. We don't deserve anything but judgment, and we are blessed by God. So we saw the contrast between that, and it closed with that tremendous text. Look at it, verse 9 and 10. Thousands of people have come to know Jesus Christ right here at verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Believing and confessing, they always go together. Where there's really heart belief, there will be mouth confession. There's nothing left to do, he said. Christ has done it all. Don't you come trying to do something. You come and you lay hold of Jesus Christ by faith and you confess Him as Lord. He has done it all. Believe God's Word on it. Take His Word on it. Uh, It's a good news. It's a gospel for anybody who will take Him at His Word. Whoever will believe God can have salvation. And that's... uh, you won't find it more clearly stated. And I would encourage you, if you're, if there's any fa- uh, fog, you know, or, or just kind of clutter in your mind on this, memorize verse 9 and 10. Hide it in your heart. Review it until you can state it. And then state it until you've really got a hold of it, until it's got a hold of you, because it's a tremendous text. And I tried to summarize it last time. We are saved by Christ. We lay hold of Christ by faith, and faith that lays hold of Christ always confesses Him as Lord. Let me just remind you of that. We are saved by Christ. Make no mistake, we're not saved by walking forward in a meeting. We're not saved by our faith. We're saved by Christ. He's the Savior. Come to me, He said, you know. And the message of the church today 
And the good news that we proclaim all around the world and that our missionaries proclaim on every continent and that we seek to tell people at work in our neighborhood is not about a church or a philosophy. It's about a person, Jesus Christ, God's Son who came to earth for us. We are saved by Christ. Make no mistake about that. We lay hold of Christ by faith. Make no mistake about that. You won't be saved just because God chose you. No, only those who believe in Jesus Christ will be saved. Now, God initiates that. We saw in chapter 9. But uh, don't ever just kind of leave it in that realm of God's doings. No, Uh, the call goes out. And God not only uh, chose us, but He chose the method He'd save, and He will save through Jesus Christ. And only those who believe in Jesus Christ will be saved. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. But when you believe in Christ you will confess him. And so you look at verse 9 and 10, he states it both ways. And I would just remind you that where there's real faith, there'll be confession. And uh, faith without confession, in other words, kind of a secret belief that won't tell anybody about him, is spurious faith. It's not for real. There are plenty of it described in the Bible. And Jesus gave some strong words to those who said they believed, but didn't say they believed, I guess I would say. They, they believed, but they wouldn't confess Him. They wouldn't, there was no reality to their faith. So faith without confession is spurious. Confession, of course, without faith. In other words, people that rattle out their creed with no real heart belief, or say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? But there was no real heart submission to Him. That's just vain and empty too, obvious. No, uh, when God does a work in the heart, uh, there will be faith in the heart and there will be confession from the mouth. Because Jesus said, what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. And uh, so we need to see that. Now, verses 11 through 13 build on that. They uh, point out that not only is Christ easily accessible, I mean, the, the word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. Don't you go trying to do the work. Christ already did that, he said earlier. Not only is Christ easily accessible, he is equally accessible to anyone. Jew, Gentile, it makes no difference. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord. So we want to see this. And I would say if verses 5 or maybe even 4 through 10 emphasize that salvation is free, verses 11 through 13 really through 15, and we won't have the time to look at all of it, but uh, emphasize that salvation is not only free, but universal. Now, don't misunderstand me when I say that. I'm not talking about universalism. There are those, you know, the idea, the faulty idea, the popular idea, <laughs> that, well, sooner or later, God is a good God, and He's going to, He'll save everybody. Universalism. Everybody will make it to heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible makes it very clear that the broad road that leads to destruction is very real. And many are those on it headed for an eternity without God. So I'm not speaking of universalism, and don't get that in your mind. You know, there's a sentimental idea. Uh, that many people cling to, that, well, after all, God's a good God and people are pretty good. And, you know, that's just the kind of thinking the natural man lives in, thinking that it'll all be okay. No, no. 
God moved heaven and earth to provide a Savior. He did more than that. He sent His only begotten Son for you. And we're not speaking of universalism. Jesus said, come to me and be saved. You can't come to the Father any other way. And it's the narrow road that leads to life. And it's a small gate. And few are those who find it, Jesus Christ said. But what do I mean when I say the gospel is universal? I mean it is universally available. If you want to be saved today, you can be. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. I want you to remember that because Satan doesn't want you to believe that. He'll work overtime to make you think that Christianity is just for a certain few or a certain type, or and it certainly isn't your type, and you can't come to him because after all, whatever, and he'll you can fill in the blank. But I want us to see from the Scripture very clearly that uh, this is false. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now let's look, verse 11. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon Him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, notice, all three verses refer to Christ, and all affirm the availability of Christ to those who believe. This is a great statement of maybe, and I think I would be right in saying, the great invitation of Scripture. Because as I turn to the last page of the Bible, you know, after 66 books of truth, and God, starting in eternity past, telling us His plan and His purpose and telling us of creation and all that He's done, I get to the last page of the Bible... And my Bible reads, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. That's the invitation of Scripture. And I think verse 11, 12, and 13 are kind of like divine commentary on it. And so that's why we take some time this morning and really... Look at it. All three speak of Christ. They all affirm His availability to faith. And each verse, notice, look at verse 11, 12, and 13. They all describe faith, the nature of faith, with a a, a phrase and gives us a better handle on it because I'm often asked, and I think it's a very legitimate question, what does it mean to believe in Christ? What is saving faith? And usually, if, if someone's sincere, they're saying, do I have saving faith. Have I really believed in Him? That's the first phrase. Look at verse 11. Whoever believes in Him. Verse 12. The one who calls upon Him. And verse 13. To call upon His name. The good news is that those who do, there'll be no disappointment there will be riches lavished on you. And so it is good news for anybody who will call on Him. Now let's look at it more carefully. Verse 11, For the Scripture says, Paul buttresses his argument with Scripture. Every point he makes in chapter 10, 
he cites scripture. Eight times he goes to the Old Testament for every truth he wants to get across. Paul had no desire to be an innovator. He went right to the scripture. You know, I would say it. We, the need today is not for innovative pulpits. The need is for scriptural pulpits. You know, the church is constantly looking for new methods. And I'm all for new methods if they help us get the main message out. But methods, God has a method. He sent His Son and He told us to tell people to proclaim the gospel. And Paul, he wasn't into new ideas or he proclaimed what Scripture said and he rivets his argument with Scripture. And you know, that is always the case. And today... The question isn't what you think. It's not what most think. You know, we get so ingrained with that. We think, well, well, did the president, did he do the right thing or not in this case? Well, what do the polls say? Well, the polls support it. Well, good, he's, he's moving on the right track. It has nothing to do with the right track. But we see it at the highest level of government. We see it down to the local level because we think as long as everybody approves and votes one way, it must be the right thing. And we start to think that way, and we just do naturally anyway. So what do most people think? Well, most people think that as long as you do this or what, you're okay. And we think that way within our little world, our little classroom, or our little school, or our little business community, or our little culture, or our little, you know, decade that we live in. And we take what most people think, the experts think, or polls to be the truth. The issue isn't what you think or what most think. The issue is what God thinks. And it's what God has said, and He didn't leave us guessing. He gave us the Scripture. So Paul, you know, earlier we saw in chapter 3 and 4, he said, salvation is by faith, justification is by faith alone. And then he raises the logical thought, well, what about Abraham, though? If Abraham was justified by works, why, he'd have something to boast about. But Paul just kind of stops the argument and says, what does the Scripture say? Comes back to it. So whether you're talking about initial salvation or decisions in life, the question is, what does the Scripture say? And Paul says, the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Whoever... What a tremendous word. Whoever. Doesn't matter who you are. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I don't think I'll ever get tired of that truth. I think you and I, Christian will be singing that song a million years from now. I still remember when I, the struggle in my heart that I was part of that whoever. I could lay hold of Christ. You are today. Whoever believes in Him. Doesn't matter who you are. This isn't a white gospel. It's not a black gospel. It's not a narrow gospel. It's a gospel for whoever. I want you to go make disciples of all the nations, Jesus said. I want you to go out, he said in Luke 24, and proclaim forgiveness of sins in my name to all the nations. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter if you raised in the church or weren't. If you'll come to Jesus Christ, you'll be part of that whoever. 
And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. I know that there's one suggesting in your ear, well, what I've done is too awful. I think of Jesus dealing with that woman after the disciples left, and she was a notorious sinner. And he said, whoever drinks of the water that I give won't get thirsty again. Whoever. And he proclaimed the good news to her. Rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Zacchaeus, you know, the tax gatherer, I read in the Bible, Luke 19, that he was rich. But he found Christ. He found real riches. And a couple chapters later, I read about the poor widow who had nothing. But she was rich in God. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter whether you have a religious background or an irreligious background. Rich, poor, middle class. Has nothing to do with those things. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord. You remember when Jesus called uh, another, you know, tax gatherer in those days was about as popular as it is today. <laughs> uh, but it, it was a little more of a byword because they made their living off of, I guess it wasn't all that different. <laughs> but anyway, they, that really was a byword for a sinner because it was just, it spoke of graft and corruption. And so when Jesus called Matthew or Levi, he was called, they said, look at that. He's, he's calling sinners, tax gatherers. And what Jesus Christ said was what? Listen, you don't send the doctor to the well people. You, I came. I'm the physician. I came not for the healthy, but for the sick. I didn't come for the self-righteous. I came for the sinners. That means you and I qualify. And you can come to Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Paul was gripped by this truth. He's the one that wrote this, of course. He's quoting Scripture. It had all come down to his heart. The light had dawned. And he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm the foremost of all. That is good news, sinner. You can come and be cleansed. You can be forgiven. And you'll never be disappointed. Just look at verse 11 and enjoy it. Today, the news that I proclaim is a universal gospel. It's a free gospel. It's an available gospel for whoever. Listen to the words sometimes that we forget of Jesus. Just listen to Jesus' words. In Mark, he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He didn't say get in line. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me. Today, if you wish to come after Christ, come, he said. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Whoever, whoever loses his life shall save it. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Good News for All Who Call, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. 
It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. You see, when you come to Christ, He doesn't just give you a little blessing. He lavishes His grace on you. He abounds in riches for all who call upon Him. He gives you peace. He gives you not only peace with God, but the peace of God that surpasses comprehension. I talk to Christians in tough circumstances, and they tell me, Scott, I I don't understand it, but I have peace. And oftentimes it's already dawned on them. They say, you know, it's the peace like he talked about that surpasses comprehension. The peace of God that God gives. He lavishes good things on us. He doesn't just say, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you, but don't ever let it. He doesn't remember our sin. He washes it. He puts as far as the east is from the west, and He gives us a conscious assurance of that, that we stand in Christ complete. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Good News for All Who Call. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 